This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in any industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, so we're here to help you become the best man or woman you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got a lot of fundamentals of dating and attraction, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality. This stuff works in a lot of different areas of your life, not just dating, not just attraction stuff, and it's a lot more important than a lot of you guys might think right now. We've also got our live boot camps running every single week here in Hollywood, California. Details at theartofcharm.com or give us a call here in the office, 888-413-7177. And of course, you can always email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com, and I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys here at The Art of Charm. Today we're talking with my friend Dory Clark. She's the author of Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future. She's a former presidential campaign spokeswoman and she's a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Need I Say More. We're gonna talk about what a personal brand is and why you need one, especially if you're maybe just a regular employee in a regular company. We're also gonna talk about how you manage that, why you need to constantly reinvent yourself, what a personal brand is and how to understand your personal brand now, whether you know you have one or not, the most common mistake people make in their personal branding, how to get a personal branding wingman and why you should, how to make sure your brand represents you well, how to protect your reputation online, and how to get attention and respect in meetings before you even walk in the door. So enjoy this one with Dory Clark. Tell us a little bit about what you do because it's kind of, you're the author of Reinventing You, define your brand, imagine your future. And the thing is, it's tough to tell people what personal branding is because people think, I don't need that, I just wanna make money, or whatever, right? Absolutely, there's, there's plenty of people who either think they don't want a personal brand, they don't need a personal brand, uh, personal branding is some kind of phony selling out where you're trying to convince people of, of some uh, sharky thing and pre- pretending to be something that you're not. So there's a lot, of, a lot of misunderstanding about what it is and why people should even think about it. But basically the way that I think about it is your personal brand is really just a synonym for your reputation. And for any professional, if you don't know what your reputation is or you say that you don't care what your reputation is, that's pretty problematic. Yeah, of course. And and the thing is, a lot of people right now, you're right, are going like, I'm not Oprah, I'm not Dr. Phil, I don't need a personal brand. And even if you're an entrepreneur and you realize, okay, I realize I need a personal brand, I need to be, you know, I'm trying to be like Pat Flynn or I'm trying to be like, you know, Dory Clark. It's not just those people, though. I mean, do we need, well, maybe I should let you answer this. Do I need a personal brand if I just work at Google or Microsoft or Apple or Starbucks? I mean, do I really need a personal brand? It seems like seems like a bit of overkill. Yeah, it's. I would actually argue that, that these days everyone needs a personal brand. And the reason for it, you may not in your present moment feel like you need one, but personal branding is a form of career insurance. And where this really comes into play is if anything in your circumstance changes, if you get laid off, if you get a new boss that hates you or you hate him or or whatever, you want to have options. And having a personal brand, being known by other people and specifically known for what you do well means that other people are going to be coming to you and wanting to work with you specifically. That gives you a lot more options, a lot more freedom. Excellent. And and how so? Think about this, right? There's a lot of people listening that are probably like 30, 45, and they, they know what you're talking about. But if when I was 20, 25, I'd be like, whatever, I don't need a personal brand. Like, I know you think that I do, but I don't. My boss, you know, we're cool. He's a cool guy. I can get along with anyone. You know, there's a lot of people thinking that right now, and they don't really understand why this is an insurance. You know, how does this get me where I want to go or closer to where I want to go? The truth is, these days, there's always going to be someone that will do literally any job 
cheaper than you will. This is the era of Elance and Odesk. And there is a push toward every single person being a commodity. And if you, no matter where you are in your career, if you want to make sure that you are able to command premium prices for your work, if you want to actually make a good living, a good salary, this doesn't even you know, have to be for, for entrepreneurs that are trying to create their own thing. But if you want to work in a company and be able to have a good, a good job and a good salary, you need to give people a reason why they are choosing you rather than just someone who can do graphic design or someone who can do data entry or be a marketing assistant or whatever. And you're always going to cost more than the person in India. And you have to make sure that if they're choosing you, they are doing it with their eyes wide open. And they say, if I am hiring Jordan, I'm willing to pay more because I know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be high quality. It's going to be exactly what I want. Perfect. Okay. There's a lot of value in that certainty, right? Because for an employer, and I know this firsthand, trying to hire someone, there's a huge opportunity cost and time investment for that matter to try to find the right person. So if I've already heard of the right person because there's one, there's the guy, I just, I'll pay a premium for that. I'll do that. That's exactly right. I mean, we, we do this all the time anyway in our own personal lives. If you want to look really great on a date or for a job interview, you're not just going to go to the guy at Fantastic Sam's who charges $8 because he's the cheapest one. You want to go to the hairdresser that you know will make you look great and you're willing to pay for that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, of course, because that's why people, that's why stylists exist, right? Otherwise, you just go to anybody who could cut hair. Exactly. And for, the, for that matter, this is the same thing in the job market. So you see somebody who, you know, if you need a web designer, you don't go, oh, you know how to create websites? You're hired. It's, well, let's see what you've done. Let's see who else recommends you. Those are the elements of a personal brand, right? Or what are the elements of a personal brand? It seems like that would definitely play a factor if it's not, even if it's not the deciding one. Yeah, exactly. In terms of, of personal brand, it, it really, I think a lot of people view it as, being a kind of narrow thing for a lot of people, they think, Oh, I know, you know, your personal brand is your elevator pitch, right? That's what you say about yourself. And that's certainly a piece of it. You, you want to get clear on what you'd like to be known for. You want to be able to articulate that in a, in a short, effective way, but your personal brand is literally everything. It's the sum total of everything that, that people take in about you. So yes, it's your elevator pitch and what you say about yourself, it's also how you look, how you dress, the way you speak, the people you associate with, what people find about you when they Google you online, what leadership roles you've taken, what projects and experience you have on your resume. All of those things are the core pieces of your personal brand. Okay, cool. And so where do we start with this? Like, What if I am just a young dude starting a job or even a mid middle management guy who goes, man, I've never even thought about consciously managing this. Where do we even begin with it? So basically, developing your personal brand, getting clear on all this, it's a three-step process. The first one starts with looking internally and getting clear on where you are now, because no one is a blank slate. Everybody is starting with some kind of a personal brand, some kind of a reputation. You want to know what that is. Number two is beginning to develop a vision moving forward of what you'd like your brand to be and what you would like people to be saying about you when you leave the room. And if there's a distance between those two things, figuring out how do you close that distance. And then third and finally, it's about living out your brand. What are the steps you take in your day-to-day -day life so that your message is consistent? Everything you're doing is manifesting who you really want to be known as so that people get that message loud and clear. So does this involve, I mean, it, it seems so complicated, right? Because a lot of people are going, oh man, you know, I, I don't have time to do PR for myself at work. And other people are sitting there going, okay, I kind of acknowledge this probably needs to be done, but I should also be, you know, judged on my merit. You know, I should be, my boss knows I do good work. And, you know, if I do the right thing, it'll shine through. And I, I, I see this, unfortunately, I hate to label it a mistake, but I see this mistake a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, um, I actually was giving a guest lecture about a year ago at Harvard Business School, 
And there was a woman who was, uh, who was giving a talk right before me. And she was an older executive. She was in her 50s. And she came up to me uh, before my talk. And she said, well, you know, this will be interesting. She said, um, I, I know that I need a personal brand because, you know, I'm an executive and I'm out there in the world. But I don't, I don't know why these people, she's gesturing to the MBA students in their 20s. I don't know why they would really need a personal brand. I wouldn't even want to hire somebody that, uh, that was that focused on their personal brand because I just want somebody that's going to work hard for me. And I thought, A, that was pretty interesting. B, that is exactly the attitude of someone that you don't want to be working for, quite honestly. And you need to, to stay away from that mentality because it's dangerous. And I'll tell you why. In the world that she came up in, loyalty was absolutely paramount. But that's because you could trust the payback of loyalty. People stayed at companies 20, 30 years. And if you had a mentor that you were tarred for, they would bring you up through the ranks. These days, someone in their 40s, 50s, your, your boss, it is just as likely that they are going to leave for a new job or that they'll get laid off or sacked or whatever. And if they are the only person that knows that you do good work, you are completely screwed. You need the world, the people inside your company and the people outside the company to know that you do good work. You can't afford to put all your eggs in one basket and just, you know, do good work for this one person. They no longer structurally have the ability to make that promise to you that they will help you and reward you because the economy's changed in such a way that that just can't be guaranteed anymore. Man, that is that is great info because here's I just had my parents in town. They were here visiting on vacation and my dad describes people like, "Oh, you know, this this guy we're going to visit, you know, we I knew him for 30 years working at Ford. He did he did 29 and I did 31 or whatever." And I'm thinking wow, you're the last of this generation who's gonna be, like, he's retired, right? So, but no, you don't, you're never gonna hear that from somebody my age. Oh, I did 25 years at Microsoft. What? Impossible. That's right. We'll never have, maybe if you're in the accounting department or something, you know what I mean? Like, there's, engineers are always flip-flopping. I, I know guys my age, I'm 34, and I don't just mean indecisive weirdos. I mean guys that are on what's a normal career path that have gone from, like, menial jobs, internship at one place, maybe got hired by that place, then worked at a different company that had a little more prestige, got some reps in at Microsoft over a few years, seemed to be more creative than the people around him, got hired at Google, decided Google was a little bit boring, got hired at Apple for a position that was consulting, now is full-time there, but then switched from within Apple iTunes to the App Store, and now is working on iOS, blah, 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 and is looking at the next greatest startup thing that's outside of Apple now as well. And it's like, that's pretty normal. You know, you're an engineer. You don't work. You're not an Apple engineer. You're not a Google engineer. You're just, you're an engineer. You're a coder. You can do this in 10 different areas and you probably will. Absolutely. It, it is just the ultimate rarity to stay at a company. I mean, uh, among people that, that I know and I'm right about your age, Jordan, I, I have one friend who was at a company for 10 years and she is it's almost considered freakish by everyone else we know. It's just, it's really not done. And the idea that somebody could be a, a lifer at a company, um, unless maybe they founded that company, is, uh, is just as astonishing. Really, the world has changed, and we have to adapt to, uh, to make sure we can succeed in it. Yeah, of course. I, I think that there's, there's a lot of people, of course, still listening that are like, you know, that's everything that's wrong with the world today and blah, blah, blah. But at, at the end of the day, we kind of have to accept that this may just be the way things are. And on the other hand, there's no real downside to having a personal brand, right? Like you said, it's insurance. Yes, there's some time cost in managing how you're perceived, and there might be a little bit of extra work involved, but it's not like you're not going to be spending 60% of your time schmoozing and being smarmy, right? It doesn't have to be like that. No, absolutely. And I, I think the, the concern of the uh, older executive that that I talked to at the business school class, you know, who said that, you know, she'd worry about uh, about hiring someone who was focused on their personal brand. I mean, I, I think that for a lot of people, when they visualize it, it's that they think that personal branding is time spent away from the core mission of your job. And really, the, the point that I want to emphasize is that it 
doesn't have to be. It's just a question of being more strategic about the way that you actually do uh, fulfill the mission of your job. I mean, you know, in some instances, you do have to work harder and make more of an effort. I mean, you know, uh, for for a lot of us, we're blogging, we're creating content, you know, doing things where we're getting uh, the word out and while other people are watching television or something. But personal branding is also um, just a, a different way of looking at the world. It's it's saying to yourself, okay, I could be an anonymous member of this committee at work, or I could actually just raise my hand and be the head of the committee. And that would increase my, uh, my profile all around the organization. Or it could be, I have a friend, for instance, who did something I think is brilliant. She decided she would only spend one hour a week on building her network and building her personal brand, but it was incredibly effective. She worked at a large organization and she said, I'm going to ask a different person in a different department to lunch every week. And just by doing that, you can increase your reach so dramatically. Uh, Anytime there's a question, there's a problem, you either know who to call or you know someone who knows who to call. And uh, that can make you a lot more powerful and effective in your role. Yeah, this is it's funny because a long time ago, I remember giving a recommendation to somebody. I want to say either a guest did it or it was a letter I answered. I don't know. This stuff all blurs together after a while. But it was, um, how do I figure out how to network inside my company? And I, I said, literally show up to the, you know, whatever department it was. I'm like, literally show up one day with pizza and try yeah. to co- coordinate with somebody who who works there to make sure that you don't get, you know, them on the day where they cater everything or you know, Joanne and the whole left side of the room doesn't eat meat or pizza or they're all on a no-carb diet or something. But as a coordinate this, show up with pizza and be like, hey guys, I just thought I would bring this in for you, you know, where I just wanted to, I realized I see you guys all the time and I have no idea who anyone is, so I figured I'd sit down and eat with you. It's it's a little weird, but no one's gonna be like, who's this Yahoo? They're gonna be like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, that that's totally perfect, I mean, um, yeah, anything people love food, anything you can do that that's uh, just shows you're making an effort that you have a little currency. I used to work on a, a presidential campaign. I was a presidential campaign spokesperson in one of my career reinventions that I've done. And uh, it was around the time that Krispy Kreme was this huge phenomenon. And so anytime uh, any of the staffers would go down to Boston, because we were up in New Hampshire during the New Hampshire primary, we would stop in and get Krispy Kremes for the office. And it was it was just this incredible bonding moment because everyone uh, it was like the seas parted whenever they saw the Krispy Kreme boxes coming in. People would just swarm and it was a perfect opportunity to talk and network and get to make connections. Excellent. Let's back up the truck a little bit, because I kind of want to understand how do we even understand what our personal brand is now because correct me if i'm wrong we have one even if we don't think that we do yeah that's exactly right everybody has a personal brand currently and it's important to get a sense of what it is so there's a few really simple ways that you can do it one easy one is that you can do what what i call the the three word test And basically, you take over the course of maybe a week, you take about half a dozen of your friends, colleagues, acquaintances, and you literally just say, I have a question for you. If you had to describe me in only three words, what would they be? And, you know, it takes two minutes. People can think of something off the top of their head, but it's it's going to be pretty revealing because by the time you get to the fourth or the fifth person, you are going to start to see patterns in what they say. And that is so valuable because the problem for us as individuals is we frankly know too much about ourselves. Um, the, the place where we fall short is that we don't really know how to distinguish between something that, that we might think is an important characteristic and what actually the rest of the world is noticing as being very distinct about us. And so hearing from people what they think is most unique or what they think really stands out the most is a very powerful form of understanding your brand and how you come across. Interesting. So we literally need to kind of interview people around us. And how do we phrase that? I mean, if I'm literally starting this process tomorrow, how do I actually go about asking someone without it being kind of weird? And also, what do I literally say? Can you give us an example of that? Because I think a lot of people are going, 
sure, I'll do that. And then they get to work and they're like, uh, this is weird and awkward and I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of my uh, favorite strategies is what I call uh, blame somebody else. <laughs> okay, so, perfect. And so One of my favorite I, strategies for pretty much everything. Amen to that, right? So literally what you can do is if you're listening to this, you can go up to your friend and say, hey, I was listening to this podcast the other day and I heard somebody on it uh, have, and, and she suggested this, this kind of crazy exercise. And she said that you should ask your friends to describe you in three words or less. I thought that sounded kind of interesting. If you had to describe me in three words or less, what would they be? And, you know, just throw it out that way. I mean, super low pressure. And then, you know, the only thing that you need to do is be prepared that they will probably say, okay, we'll do the same for me. What are my three words? And then you can have a, a discussion about that. So you might want to, you know, have those in the back of your head. But, uh, but that, that's, that's one way to just kind of have the lead in. Um, an another thing, if, if you want to be more earnest about it, is you could you could say um, that you're uh, you know you're you're trying to uh, to learn a little a little bit more about uh, how you're perceived because you want to improve at work you know maybe this is something that you would say to your boss or or something like that and uh, you you want to get a, a sense of uh, you know how you're seen what your strengths might be and so therefore if they could only describe you in three words what would they be. Um, but either of, of those, I think, are pretty fine approaches. I mean, the idea is to treat it as casual, treat it like a parlor game, and uh, and most people will participate, and it won't seem weird or like a big deal. Excellent. All right. What do we do with that information once we have it? I mean, are we constantly trying to reinvent ourselves? What do we actually? What are the action points on that one? Yeah. So one of the points that I make in my book, Reinventing You, is that. In order to be successful today, we really actually have to make reinvention be a constant part of our repertoire. It, for, for some of us, we may want to have big reinventions. And I think that's how a lot of people think about it. You know, maybe once or twice in your life, you want to, you know, reinvent your career and, and do something totally different. And, you know, that's certainly becoming more common as well. But even if you are totally happy with your job or your company, even if you'd like to generally con continue doing the same thing, the world is changing fast enough that we all need to be reinventing ourselves with a lowercase r. We have to keep uh, moving our skills forward, uh, innovating, introducing ourselves to new thoughts so that we can keep up and hopefully stay ahead of the curve. So ideally, once you've determined uh, at a baseline what your current brand is, the idea is beginning to, to really think about where you do want to go. You know, what is that vision that you have for yourself? And beginning to move in that direction. So one of the things that I think is really important that a lot of people, it's, it's a place where a lot of people fall short when it comes to making their move, making their reinvention toward that new area, is actually taking the time to create a narrative about their reinvention. And what I mean by that is that for many of us, we think that it'll just be obvious, that it'll be self-evident to people about, you know, how it is that our past experience lends itself to the new thing that we're going to be doing. But for many people, they're just not paying that close attention and they may not have the time to piece those things together. So we've got to come up with a way to really explain clearly how whatever we've done in the past, even if it might seem random and unconnected, actually makes us uniquely qualified for the, the next thing that we want to be doing. That's an interesting sort of side story because I think, and would you consider this a mistake? I mean, I think other people kind of think personal, your personal brand happens to you. Yes. Or something. It's like a thing that, it's a result of something that just continually you're creating sort of automatically and other people are sort of telling that story. A lot of people do think that personal branding is just something that, that happens to them. That's how a lot of people behave. And the good news is that if you don't take that approach, if you are actually willing to be proactive, you are going to have a huge competitive advantage over other people. Because while they're sitting back and being passive and some of them are being victims and other people are just sort of wishing and hoping that something good will happen or that somebody will notice them, you are able to steer your reputation and therefore steer your destiny, as it were, 
because you're you're making choices that other people aren't. I mean, just as one example of this, uh, some of the research that I did for Reinventing You, I talked to a number of really interesting academics. Two of my favorites are Robert Cialdini from Arizona State University and Jeffrey Pfeffer from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And they did research uh, into... Uh, basically what I call the, the wingman phenomenon. And the idea of this, I, I think uh, you might appreciate this in particular, Jordan, is that, you know, we all know that if you are perceived as a braggart, no one's going to like you. But the trick is, and a lot of people don't tap this, if someone else is saying great things about you, even if they are essentially in league with you, even if they're your agent, your manager, your friend that you brought along to the bar, People are going to listen and to those, you know, very same positive things and think, wow, this person's amazing. And so for a lot of people, they just wait and they say, oh, well, you know, maybe someone will say something nice to the right person. But if you really want to hasten the spread of knowledge about your reputation, about what you're good at, about the value you can bring, a really easy thing that your listeners can do is to get a wingman, get, get a trusted friend or colleague. And at the next uh, conference, the next networking event, the next time you're out at a bar looking to meet people, have this wingman go with you and talk you up. You do the same thing for him. And it research has shown that that's an incredibly powerful way to get noticed. Wait, how does the wingman work this? I'm a little unclear on that. So basically all you do is you, you find somebody that, that you really like and respect and you say, I will make a deal with you. And, you know, you can be my wingman, Jordan. So the next time I'm in San Francisco, we go out to a bar together and I will talk you up if you talk me up. That's that's really it. And so I can brief you. I can say, all right, Jordan, if we're out and you, you know, you find some uh, some cute ladies that look good for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so you can send the lesbians my way. Right. And, yeah, uh, that's I mean, that'll also be pretty funny because the girls who just say that they're lesbians will be like, well, let's see about that. Here's my friend right. Dory. We'll test them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll test drive. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you some talking points, right? So, you know, oh, I have a book, you know, a new book that's coming out next year. I, uh, you know, teach for the business school at Duke University and, you know, blah, 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 some other good thing. And so those are your talking points. And you would try to find ways, not in a weird way, but, you know, to sort of wrap the conversation around so that you can mention these things about me. Meanwhile, you've given me your talking points. And when we see, you know, somebody that would be great for, for you to meet, I will try to, to bring up those things. And, you know, oh, that's so interesting that you mentioned your love of Korean food. Did you know that my friend Jordan has been to North Korea and has had these amazing adventures? You guys should talk. Hey, Jordan, you should come meet this girl. And you, you do that. And it, it creates a, a tremendous bond. And because someone else, because you, you have another person who's providing the validation for you, other people take it really seriously. That's perfect. And it's funny that that can initially confuse me and I needed clarification because it's literally what you said, getting a wingman. It's the, there's no difference between doing that for dating and doing that for business. And I never really had thought about doing it for business, but it does make perfect sense. And in fact, it's right in line with what we teach at The Art of Charm in terms of both dating as well as introductions because John Corcoran, who introduced us, Yes. He's really good at that. He'll go, hey, by the way, do you want me to introduce you to this person? I'm having dinner with them on Sunday. In fact, if you want, you can come to dinner. But if you don't want to, you, you know, let me know. And I'll go, yeah, sure, I'll go. Or I'll go, actually, I've already talked to that guy and I'd rather not do that because of X, Y, Z. And he'll go, okay, great. Whereas a lot of times, there's bad ways to do this too, right? Where somebody might introduce you to somebody for business. It's the same thing in dating where it's like, hey, have you met my friend Dory? And you're like, oh, I've already talked to this person. I hate this person. This person's obnoxious. And now here I am. You just clearly wanted to get rid of this person. Thanks a lot, Jordan. You just threw me under the bus. And John's really good at this because he doesn't send you an email out of nowhere and go, hey, do you want to have dinner with Omar? And I'm like, oh, friggin' Omar, no. And then I've got to figure out some weird reason where we're all CC'd why I can't do it and I can't get a rain check and how I'm just so busy because I got to floss my cat. He asks <laughs> you in private, and then you go, actually, between you and I, I find this person insufferable. Or you can just say, no thanks, depending on how close you are with the, the mutual person. With John, I can say something like, actually, I despise this person. I'm, I'm good, which I've never had to do. But, you know, you have to be able to do this in a tactful way. Otherwise, you're actually more of a nuisance than anything. And But you're totally right. You don't have to 
brag for yourself, someone else will do it with you or for you. And it's like our speed dating strategy that me and my friend Caleb came up with a really long time ago. You know, he'd say, all right, that girl over there looks like my type. And I'd say, okay, she's not really mine. So when I'm talking with her during the speed dating thing, I'm going to sort of say, yeah, I'm here with my buddy. He's actually a really interesting guy. You know, he blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. And I'm talking him up. So by the time he comes around in the rotation, he can just sort of be cool and fun. And she's like, your friend was saying that you're a television writer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I am, actually. He doesn't have to go, I'm a TV writer, and I'm very smart, and I'm successful. He didn't have to do any of that stuff. And so back when we were both single, we could sort of stack the deck in our favor and each other's favor. And it worked really, really well. I never really had thought about doing that in the cocktail party setting, though. That's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. It's, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it really is about teeing something up for the other person so that it becomes incredibly easy for them to make a connection because the other party is already excited to meet them. So what else? I mean, that's that's brilliant. How do we make sure after that, though, that we represent ourselves well and that our brand represents us well? Because this is something that's doing work while we're not around. And that's part of the brilliance of the personal brand in the first place, right? Is it, it continue? it's like a website. It does what you're sleeping and someone's talking about you, right? Or not even at the event and someone's like, well, you got to meet this guy, Jordan, because he does great podcasts with really smart people. You know, and and that's the personal brand. How do we make sure that it represents us well when we're not there to tweak it and mess with it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. It's the right analogy. I mean, the, your personal brand is an analog of, of passive income. If right. you set it up right, if you get the systems right, then great things start coming to you without any further effort, which is pretty exciting. Um, I did an interview. I, I blogged for Forbes and I did an interview with this guy a while back named John Hagel from Deloitte Center for the Edge. And he used a really great metaphor. Um, he basically said that when you create content, when you put things out online, especially, but into the world in general, it is essentially putting a light out so that like-minded people can find you. It's like you, you're the beacon and then they come to you. Per, personal branding, creating uh, creating material, whether it's speeches or blog posts or you know even a really smart Twitter feed, creating a podcast series like you have, Jordan, it's a way of making sure that people come to you. It's sort of inbound marketing because they see how you think, they see what your values are, and they they if they like what they see, they want to seek you out. And we all know, I mean, you know, this is certainly the case in, in dating as well as in business. You are a hundred times better off if they're coming to you rather than you having to knock on the door and be the supplicant. So you want to try to stack the deck in your favor to make people want to come to you. And so uh, creating things online, sharing your ideas is one of the very best ways we, we can do it. And, you know, everyone has the opportunity now. I mean, you don't even have to make the existential commitment of starting a WordPress blog because you can now, you know, LinkedIn's opened up their platform. So you can even start blogging on LinkedIn as a regular person. So simple things like that is a way of showing how you see the world and getting people who are simpatico to say, I need to meet him. That's great. And what about that element of online? I mean, you touched on that just now. What about our reputation online? Because I think a lot of people, especially not to point fingers, but people over, let's say, 40-ish who are not computer savvy or even people my age that just like refuse to get refuse to get the memo, they do this thing where they're like, I'm not on Facebook or I'm on, you know, I'm only on LinkedIn, but I never check it or I never really bother with that. And, and they don't have Google alerts, like basic stuff. Google alerts set up for their name because they're like, oh, I'm not anybody important. It doesn't matter. And I've seen this bite people in the butt over and over because I'm trying to keep the guy anonymous without giving away too many obvious details, but he wasn't somebody who was quote unquote famous or even like an internet nerd liberty or anything, but he had retired from his job or gotten let go or something like that. He'd, he'd quit working early. I mean, he wasn't old, a little older than me, but he, he was one of those anti-online guys. Well, he was trying to get a new job and he kept getting like two rounds into the interview or whatever. And he's like, what is going on here? I, and I'm like, I don't know, man, you're personable. You're a good guy and you have experience. 
you know, what, what could be biting you in the butt? I mean, do you have a felony arrest or something? And he's like laughing. He's like, no, of course not. So I said, said, well, all right, let's see if there's anything weird online just to sort of, cause that's the only thing we can do right now. You're, you're not doing anything obviously wrong. I looked at your resume. You seem normal. I mean, you've got more experience than me. So we Googled him and he has a pretty unique name and there's a, a blog post from like an ex-girlfriend from college or something about how mm. he's this bastard and like cheats on his girlfriends and he's like, no, no, this is even true. And he wrote her and she's like, oh my God, that's still there. I'm so sorry. Cause it was like, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was like this thing where she w- she'd been mad about it seven years ago. But since there wasn't a whole lot out there about him on the web, it was like a deactivated or like blank LinkedIn with no picture. Uh, a Twitter profile that had one tweet on it from when it said like, hello world or something from when he installed Twitter on a phone once back in the day. And then a blog post about how he's a jackass and nobody should ever talk to him ever because he's terrible. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. And and it wasn't that big of a deal, but it's like if that's the only thing out there, HR is just kind of like, or whoever hiring manager is looking at you is kind of like, yeah, he seemed cool, but you know what? If he's got personal drama, not bothering to check that the blog post is five years old, I just don't want some crazy chick calling in or if he doesn't treat people well in his personal relationships, we don't want that here in the whatever and associates. So let's just skip to the other guy who's equally qualified that we all like the same and just hire that guy instead. Absolutely. You know, we reached out to that girl and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that was still up in public. Hope you're well. I mean, she's obviously got a little bit of a screw loose, but like just deleted it with no drama. And it's like, hey, man, if you'd had Google alerts set up or maybe just had any clue that this was out there about you, you could have nipped this in the bud years ago and it would never have cost you these two job offers that you wanted. Yeah, that's so true, Jordan. And I think the the other piece that's a corollary of that is, you know, we all know that damaging things, you know, negative things about us online is bad. But I think where a lot of people f- fall short is that they don't think about the sort of flip side of that, which is that an absence of positive stuff about you online is also really problematic. I was consulting a few years ago for uh, for this large nonprofit that was going to be hiring a new marketing director, and there, you know, there was a few candidates that they narrowed it down to, and one of them who they actually really liked. Um, when they they'd gone through a couple of interviews, just like the case with your friend, and so they decided they dig in, start googling him, and see what they could find, and there was literally nothing about him online. They couldn't find anything. And that freaked them out so much. They thought it was a huge red flag. It, it forced them back to calling his references. I mean, they were, they were really going down the rabbit hole because they actually thought that the guy had probably fabricated his resume. It made them incredibly suspicious because there was nothing about him online. And it turned out that in fact he hadn't, he was totally legitimate and they did end up hiring him. But the process was almost derailed because it now is considered such a red flag if there's not anything about you online, either positive or negative. Right, because it looks like you scrubbed it. Is that why? Or yeah, it looks like you scrubbed it, or you know, maybe you maybe you changed your name, or you know, maybe there there was just something untoward because most people accumulate some kind of digital footprint. And ideally, you want it to be something that is professional, that is corralled in a way that shows your best self. Um, but, you know, if there's, I think for some people who are zealots about privacy, they say, oh, well, I don't want anything about me online. I don't want people knowing things about me. But the, the truth is, that just looks weird. The best antidote, if you care about your privacy, it's it's not to say, I don't want anything about me online. It is to proactively create positive professional content about you because that is what will drown out random obscure private things about you from coming up when people search you excellent that's really good to know because i think a lot of people think oh i can just delete everything all my online profiles and then i don't have to worry about this and that's not the case right that just looks suspect yes yeah because that's like Ugh, my life online is such a mess, I better delete everything and not have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. And that way I don't have to worry about it. And all people are look, are thinking when they see that is, hmm, this guy's online stuff must have been so bad that he eradicated it from the whole internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, certainly if, if, it's, a, if it's a random negative bad thing, yeah, try to get it deleted. But uh, you, you don't wanna have nothing about you online. 
You talked about something earlier called the email strategy, and in advance of meetings, you're sending this email outlining skills and experience. Tell us what that is and and how to do it, because I've never heard of this, but it seems like a really good idea if your rep, especially if your reputation doesn't precede you. Does that make sense? Like, I think a lot of people might know, oh yeah, well, I'm meeting up with so-and-so, and obviously this is for the purposes of this, but I think for most of us, and maybe even for if your reputation does precede you, maybe you should send this email outlining what you know and what you're going to talk about. Yeah, it, it is a really useful strategy that I learned about in the course of researching my book, Reinventing You. I think a lot of us have been in a situation where we've gone into a meeting. You assume that the other person you're meeting with has done some degree of research. I mean, maybe they haven't extensively Googled you or whatever, but they should at least know who you are. They should at least know why you're meeting. But honestly, people are busy and sometimes people are flaky and you can't always count on them for that. And so I remember uh, vividly a a couple of years ago, I had a meeting with this woman and it had been suggested by her boss and I assumed that that was sufficient enough that, you know, her, her boss literally marched me over to her table, said, you guys should meet, you know, let's follow up. We scheduled a date. I was uh, under the fairly clear impression that her boss uh, wanted me to speak at a conference and, you know, we were going to have this follow-up conversation about it. Anyway, when I get into the meeting, she basically has not done any research on me at all. She has no idea who I am no idea about my uh, credentials. And she kind of took this, uh, this sort of haughty uh, attitude, like, so why are you here? And, you know, why am I talking to you? And it, it was so, sort of bizarrely demoralizing because I had to kind of prove myself in the meeting when that shouldn't have been the case, uh, given my background and given the fact that her boss had suggested it. And I realized then that uh, what I should have done is follow this strategy, the email strategy, which I learned about later. Uh, This is something that Robert Cialdini, the psychologist that I mentioned earlier from Arizona State, talks about. It's a a really great way to make sure that when you enter a meeting from the first minute it starts, that you are accorded the respect you deserve. And the way that you do that is it turns out there's a quirk in human nature, which is that we essentially can get away with writing things that we cannot socially get away with saying. So if you're in a meeting and you have to sort of play catch up and say, well, um, I'm here because of blah, 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 blah. And you're, you know, rattling off your resume. You sound a a little pathetic. You sound a a little bit uh, like you're trying to brag or to justify yourself. You don't want to be in that position. Instead, what Cialdini suggests is a couple of days before the meeting, you send an email and you say, uh, you know, John, I'm really looking forward to our meeting on Thursday in advance of the meeting. And in order to make it as productive and efficient as possible, which of course everybody wants, um, I wanted to just uh, give you a little background information about my uh, bio and the experience that I've had with regard to insert whatever topic you're meeting about. And so you do this, you're, you're able to put in your bullet points about what your background and experience is. And presumably this is a short email. The person's going to read it. And so even if they haven't taken the time proactively to research you, they are going to know the most important points so that when the meeting starts, your credentials are already set. You don't have to establish them and you can walk in and be recognized as the authority you are. Excellent. Because some people might know who you are, but I I think we've all been through this where uh, this is the one time it happened to me where I was like, wow, I need to learn how to handle this better because people were watching and they were like, yeah, we need to figure that out. It's for the art of charm is a long time ago. I mean, like seven years ago, this girl walks in to an, a meetup that we're doing and like all the guys there knew who we were and we thought, okay, we've never had a situation where somebody doesn't know what this stuff is or who we are. So we start talking and this like 16, 17 year old girl, maybe 19, stands up and goes, I don't even know what this is all about. And it just sounds like you're just making this up. Who are you? And I was like, what the hell? What I wanted to say was, who the hell are you? Why are you in my office as, you know, what the blah, 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 you know? But I realized, like, okay, that's not the good response to do. So I was like, actually, this is, you know, something that's not really your demo. I'm not really sure how you got invited. And even then, it was like, what I need to do is make sure that everybody who walks in is versed on what we do. And so after that, we started sending out emails about what this was. And Everybody who registered obviously had that, but if you weren't registered, 
I had my assistant at the door after that, or before the next one, of course, being like, who, okay, how did you find out about this? Who are you here with? What is your purpose here? And all this stuff. And that served multiple purposes, but it, one of the big purposes was not having some jackass stand up in the middle and go, who are you again? Why are we listening to you? Uh, because that's not good for business, especially if you're trying to educate somebody, even in your own company, you might be lecturing for another department and somebody might be like, who's this joker? And then just sitting there on their Blackberry. Meanwhile, they had no idea that you were brought in by their boss. Exactly. You you want to make sure that your credibility is established because if if somebody is uh, either being actively hostile to you or if they're just sort of being snobbish and indifferent, you know, oh, who are you? What you know? What are you here for? Uh, it's it's a, a bad dynamic. You can't be as productive or uh, as effective as you want to be. So you want to try to head that off at the pass. Good. And so those emails are, they start off with, in order to make this productive and efficient, please share this with your team. And then what kind of things do we include? So when you're sending this email, introducing yourself to uh, to the person that you're going to be meeting with, you want to keep it short because the, the goal is uh, you want them to read it. If it's some huge missive, uh, or you send an attachment that they have to take, right. you know, the extra effort to click open, they may not even bother doing it. So I would keep it to, you know, one paragraph, maybe two paragraphs max, try to use bullet points. I would literally think about it uh, almost like the the talking points you'd give to your wingman. If there's, you know, just uh, say three or four things that are the most salient about your experience with regard to a certain issue or that convey your expertise best, if you can list those things, that's what you want. You want them to have some kind of uh, a takeaway so that they say, oh, well, you know, of course she's qualified to talk about this because she teaches at Duke or whatever your trump card is. Okay, excellent. That makes a lot of sense. Just something that gets people's attention but doesn't have to be too involved or should not be too involved. Last but not least, we sort of touched on this in the beginning. You talked about constantly reinventing ourselves. Is there a system for this? I mean, do you have a way to constantly be focused on self-reinvention? Do you learn something new every year? Do you work on your skill sets in a certain way, or is it just constant? Well, everybody can, can try the way that, that works for them. I mean, there's, there's not uh, one definitive formula. I think the goal is forward momentum. But the way that, that I do it, I'm actually uh, a big New Year's resolution person. I know, uh, you know some people don't really like that as a framework, but for me, I find it really helpful. And you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to necessarily be a precise New Year's resolution. You know, I am going to lose 10 pounds or whatever it is. What I like to do is to find a theme for the year and to really focus in in a number of different ways about how I am going to expand my knowledge of that theme. And so, uh, you know, one year it was, uh, it was literally uh, jazz music. That was the thing that I wanted to learn about and better myself in. And so there's a whole different ways you can do it. You can uh, start going to concerts. You can watch, you know, the, the big Ken Burns documentary. You can read books about it. This year, my theme actually is about uh, internet marketing. And that's something that I want to learn more about. So I'm listening to lots of podcasts, including yours. I'm uh, reading books. I, you know, taking courses or webinars. But it's about finding a variety of different ways to circle around a topic that you want to know more about. Perfect. Thanks so much, Dory. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to include? This has been awesome. No, we, we covered a, a lot of great stuff, Jordan. Thank you. I, you know, I've really, uh, I enjoy listening to your podcast a lot because I really feel like the quality of the conversation is so great and it's so fun to have the opportunity to, to speak with you and to get to experience it firsthand. Well, thanks. It was really great having you on the show and a lot of this stuff, man, it's just so funny how much personal branding, it, it's just, it is dating. It's just not, it's just, there's no, the goal is, different really but it's like the same process you know in so many ways manage your reputation online make sure people know what they're getting in advance have a wingman that talks you up make sure that you are you know coming in with the right agenda but presenting it in the right way constantly be working on yourself i mean i'm trying to find something that doesn't fit perfectly into just dating stuff in general and i can't i mean it's like everything just overlaps completely no it's it's so true 
It's, it's human nature, fundamentally, whether it's in a business context or a, a romantic context. It's about what, what moves people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all about that motivation without coming across as overbearing or, or, you know, aggressive or a braggart, like you'd mentioned. And this is really, really helpful. This is great way to, this is just such a great way to apply all of these principles that people have been working on with the art of charm straight into business, which is something that we've been, you know, really keen on for a while now. So thanks so much for your time. Jordan, thank you so much. It's great talking with you. Take care, Dory. You too. Bye. Bye. Really good stuff. You might be listening right now and saying, oh, I don't have a personal brand or I didn't know I had a personal brand. And I think that's really good to be aware of, especially if you're one of those people who thinks that you don't need this or that you don't have one. The need to constantly reinvent yourself, of course, in line with Art of Charm teachings for the last several years here. And a lot of these mistakes people make when branding, sort of letting other people tell their story and not acknowledging that this even exists or that this is something that affects them, I think is probably a, a giant pitfall for a lot of people that we can now shore up. And the wingman idea, really impressive. I really like that. I can't believe I didn't think of that one myself and almost kicking myself annoyed with that. And of course, protecting your reputation online, how to get attention and respect in meetings before you even walk in the door. Priceless stuff, really simple steps too that we can start implementing now. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. And of course, show feedback and suggestions. You can email me, Jordan at The Art of Charm, bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com as well. And I rely on you guys to show me who's cool and who's up and coming in the industry. So feel free to send me your guest suggestions along with show feedback. And at theartofcharm.com is also where we've got our links to Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. And you can feel free to add me on Facebook as well and connect with me there. I love hearing from you guys. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And of course, give us a nice review there. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And if you guys are having trouble finding us, you can get us on your smartphone, iPhone, or Android at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone or theartofcharm.com slash Android. That stuff is free. So Enjoy it and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.